You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Save big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in store and on Menards.com. Save big money at We are back in, and man, is there a lot of news to cover and go over on the latest edition of the SportsMediaWatch.com podcast. We are back off of a little mini vacation. Hope you enjoyed the encore week of George Offman's Tell Me a Story I Don't Know on this podcast feed last week that featured Bob Costas, Sarah Kustak, Mike Greenberg, Eddie Olchek, and Mike Wilbon in succession. It was tremendous to bring those back. So now we are a bit refreshed energized and back with a new version in a new month of august again i am merely tj reeves he is the man that you are here to hear h-e-a-r hear more from you read him all the time as the purveyor of sportsmediawatch.com hello john lewis good to be back with you again sir yeah yeah well uh, speak for yourself as being rested and refreshed so. <laughs> <laughs> well it is it is summer and we didn't do a podcast like you'll get you'll grant yeah. me that you'll grant me at least that much that we didn't have a podcast you That's may have true. some other yeah. things uh some other things going on and a reminder however you found this podcast via social media link through john's site sportsmediawatch.com make sure you're following or subscribing to this feed because not only do you get us in the middle of the week and john's takes you also get george's podcast tell me a story i don't know which by the way the featured interview this week is with lane or with wayne larravee uh, wayne is the play-by-play voice of the green bay packers for going on 25 years on the radio but previously john and you know this was the play-by-play voice of the packers arch yeah. enemy the chicago bears uh for seven i believe 17 or 18 seasons so talk about being on both sides mm-hmm. of that rivalry and Wayne has got some great stories in between, including working television games for Michael Jordan and the Bulls on yep. WGN and working with some guy named Hello Again, everybody, Harry Carey. Mm-hmm. I mean, you talk about some stories. Wayne has got some stories, and it's on George Offman's podcast on this feed. And also Mike Gill and Phil DeMont Mullen on the Announcer Schedules podcast. They're back off hiatus for a week, too, with a fresh edition later in the week on this feed, depending on when you're hearing us. You get George, you get John and me, you get Mike and Phil with Announcer Schedules all on this feed. Follow or subscribe, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify. Scale of 1 to 10, my Harry Carey impersonation for you was a, what was it? it was it's better a, than Will Ferrell's. Was it a 5? 
Did I get um, a five out of you? Did I get a six? I'll give you a seven. Why not? A seven. Thank you for that. Okay. Segwaying, speaking of a baseball announcers and in all seriousness here, one of the iconic voices of the game and of sports broadcasting itself, really, of the last, let's say, 50, 60 years. Vin Scully passed away on Tuesday night as we released this podcast at the age of 94. The Los Angeles Dodgers and Scully's family announced that on Tuesday night, 60 seven years as the Dodgers radio and television announcer. You are uh, a quality broadcaster, John, if you last six or seven years. Mm -hmm. Let me say again, 67 years, the longest tenured broadcaster with any team in any sport ever. All right, John, your thoughts as the tributes continue to pour in at the time we're releasing this podcast, your thoughts on all of this? Well, you know, the reality is that I mean, the Dodgers have been around since the Chester A. Arthur administration. And for nearly half of their seasons, Vince Scully was calling their games. So that's pretty unbelievable. Um, the reality of the matter is that it's not a record that will be. It's like Bill Russell with 11 rings. You're not going to surpass Vince Scully at 67 seasons, right? Uh, the uh, the their, their current voice is uh, Joe Davis, right? The new voice of the World Series. Joe is 33 years old, so he would have been doing this um, since, what, 2016 then. So he's 34, actually, 34, 35, something like that. So he started at 28. 28. So let's project out, okay? We've got 61 more seasons, all right? So we'll see Joe. I I have the number for you, 2087. You're telling me in 2087 he can match Vin Scully. Will we still have a sportsmediawatch.com podcast in 2087? Well, 2087. I, don't think, I, don't, I don't think that's likely. Gosh, yeah, I don't think so. To contemplate. I don't think so. Uh, you know, I mean, <laughs> look, I think if Joe Davis is alive in 2087, he'd be pretty thrilled, right? Yes. So if he's, if he's calling games, that would be a different <laughs> story entirely. Uh, and it just goes to show uh, it was, it's one of those, you know, he, in particular, kind of one, you have to have the talent, right? You have to have the talent to be able to start at that young an age and to maintain that job for as long as that. Uh, and then you have to have a decent amount of luck, right? He wanted to retire in 2009. You know, not everybody has their health forever. I mean, the That's fact right. is a lot of people, I mean, we're going to talk about this coming up, you know, in terms of Alabama football, yep. but not everybody has their health to be able to continue with their longevity, um, you know, and even beyond that, you might have your health, but maybe you lose a little bit of your voice, you know, Marv Albert, you know, wasn't as sharp at the end. So you have to have a lot of luck. Uh, you have to have a lot of skill. And then you really just have to have the right job too. You know, I mean, there's any number of teams that have gotten rid of well-liked play-by-play voices because, you know, someone comes in with some, uh, focus group nonsense and says we got to get younger and fresher you know right uh, so i mean it, it's it's one of those deals it's probably never going to be duplicated uh you're gonna have to get somebody some someone straight out of high school like the nba used to in order to ever get that 67 uh, uh year streak broken it's incredible and uh, we can't overstate enough he has for seven decades been the soundtrack of Dodger baseball going all the way back into the 50s and the 60s 
so, so many, when the Dodgers obviously moved, because I've heard people talk about this and it, and it became a Los Angeles and a Southern California audience. Uh, they fell in love with Vin Scully immediately in the 1960s. So you have grandfathers passing on to their sons, passing on then to the grandsons, listening to Vin Scully on the radio, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and then obviously more in TV as the 90s and the 2000s wore on and he began to do TV. But Vin Vin was primarily the radio guy for the Dodgers for much of that 67 years. Uh, only doing TV recently, uh, let's say in the last 20 years of his career as, as more TV than radio. Um, but I can't tell you how many friends and colleagues that I have that work in Southern California that have talked about that for decades on summer nights, you're listening to Vin Scully. You're driving around in the car yeah. or you're at the game or you're out somewhere. You're listening to Vin Scully. He truly was the soundtrack of Southern California sports, if you will, um, in that regard. And here's something else. He's got iconic moments calling Dodger games. The Sandy Koufax no hitter is very famous in a radio call. The Kurt Gibson home run. You know this, John. Iconic for all time. 1988 World Series in game one. A lot of people, a lot of people think that that moment won the World Series for the Dodgers. It was only game one. It's still an iconic moment. But Vin Scully was a very diverse broadcaster who also did the NFL for a lot of years on, on CBS. To wit, John Lewis, the Joe Montana famous touchdown pass to Dwight Clark, known as the catch, which launched the 49ers out of the NFC title game and their win over the Cowboys to win the Super Bowl, called by Vin Scully on CBS, Montana to, to Clark. Uh, Vin Scully also did golf for CBS uh, as well uh, at a very high level. Major championships was part of their master's coverage, uh, et cetera. So very diverse, amazing. You can't we, – we could sit here for an hour and probably not do it justice on what this man represented, John, one more time. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I would also uh, just say you talk about the generational impact, and, of course, let's not forget the daughters, right? Of uh, course. So the sons and the daughters yes. growing up on him. And, you know, he impacted just so many different lives. And you're talking about a – a common thread through people who were kids in the 50s and the 60s and the 70s and the 80s and the 90s and even the 2010s. It's very difficult to find common threads between those disparate groups. And so uh, from that perspective, you know, I mean, again, we're talking about a giant. The reality of the matter is there's never going to be anyone like him again, even if they do work 67 seasons, because there's never going to be another time when play-by-play voices will be heard by as many people as they were heard by back then, you know, uh, whether you were, you know, I mean, what were the options? People used to sit down and watch things together. They don't do that anymore. I'm willing to bet that Joe Davis right now is far less known in Los Angeles than Ben Scully was his first six seasons there, you know, which it's a, were- great, it's a great point because there's so many other choices and so many other things to hear because again just one more time to go back when you're talking about like in the 60s and the 70s the games weren't on tv so to find out what was going on for the dodger game you had two ways 
either be at the game in person or you're listening to Vin Scully on the radio. And for a lot of other people in a lot of other markets, their baseball announcer, whether it was Joe Buck on KMOX for the St. Louis Cardinals or Jack Buck, I'm sorry, for KMOX, the father, or, uh, you know, go on and on down the list of the the Atlanta Braves uh, broadcast that had Skip Carey, Pete Van Weeren, Ernie Johnson Sr., on the radio before the games got on TBS and they kind of became the soundtrack with TBS TV and the cable everywhere. But if you, if you wanted to hear uh, the Cubs, uh, if you wanted the Cubs games, the Cubs were on the radio in, in Chicago and on and on with all the different announcers uh, of the teams. And so we should mention, they did a tribute. The Dodgers are playing in San Francisco. They did a tribute to Vin Scully immediately after the game in San Francisco. Talk about maximum respect. That's their arch rival. They put his likeness up on the screen and the entire stadium gave a standing ovation at the end of the game. When they announced it. the remaining crowd that was there, uh, in San Francisco. So the Dodger tributes will pour it will pour in. You'll see it on the MLB network. You'll see it on all the national baseball coverage on Fox, on ESPN, and everywhere on the coming days uh, for Vin Scully, and and rightfully so. I got, I've got one more for you. You, you discover these things, and they need to go back, and I know you love to do this too. Uh, a shout-out to the guy that operates the Twitter handle back after this uh, that is always knocking Mike Francesa and always knocking Colin Cowherd and others, but he also puts great content up in the Wayback Machine. So, John, on Wednesday morning, I never knew this, he puts the content up of Vin Scully calling the NFC championship football game, 1977 Dallas Cowboys, Minnesota Vikings on CBS. And I believe it is Vin and Tom Brookshire. I'm not sure who the analyst is. We've got to listen. Got to, got to look it up. But from listening, that's who it sounds like. So they're calling the Cowboys at home, Texas Stadium in Irvington, in Irving, the old one uh, that they've now torn down. Um, as opposed to the Palace AT&T Stadium in Arlington, and I will be there with the Buccaneers when this season opens. But anyway, the Cowboys are playing in this championship game, and there's like a handoff to Tony Dorsett, and he gets tackled by the sideline. And suddenly, literally, the CBS cameras cut to the stands and show the aftermath of a fan whose coat or jacket caught on fire. And they show the replay of this fan whose jacket is on fire. And the other fans are trying to put the jacket out and the smoke everywhere and the stretcher taking the fan out. So the guy on the Twitter handle says, listen to Vin Scully. So deftly call the play. And then with compassion uh, and, and at the same time, a newsman tell you what's going on in the story and then seamlessly right back to the game while saying our prayers are with whoever that is. I, I sat there dumbfounded, had never seen that before, and went, how many of us, including me, would have right. totally botched that, John Lewis? But it's smooth, and again, free plug. Go check that clip. I never knew that existed, Yeah, and he made it seem like just another play in an NFL game. And you have now seen the clip that I'm talking about while I was rambling on. It, it's pretty amazing how deft he handled that. And that's just vintage Vin Scully one more time, right? Yeah. You know, there was a, you know, look, I mean, a certain amount of polish that there is not today. I mean, some of it is generational. Some of it is from an era of, you know, being, you know, maybe, you know, when maybe a little less irreverent, which is not necessarily, you know, I mean, I have no problem with irreverence, but I think that helps with the smooth kind of uh, handling of those types of things when you're a little bit more schooled in that, uh, you know, kind of 
old school respectability thing that uh, was so common back then. Very statesmanlike. Yeah, exactly. very seriously uh, on that, as opposed to trying to make fun of things that you right. might see. And I get totally what that is with the newer generations, plural, mm -hmm. uh, since then. So again, one more time, the video tributes and the uh, and the different uh, tributes from the Dodgers, et cetera, will pour in here in the coming days. So that segues us on the sportsmediawatch.com uh, podcast to some more news for the week and including iconic voice in the state of Alabama. Now, it's not to the extent of Vin Scully nationally, but for football fans in Alabama since the late 1980s, Eli Gold has been synonymous with Alabama football, their national championships, their, their dynastic success. No matter if you love them or hate them, you cannot argue with the last 15 years or so of Nick Saban's success. And Eli Gold has been there every step of the way as their radio announcer. So Eli is battling health issues. John, I know you wrote about this on the site and the university made an announcement uh, earlier on Wednesday. Elaborate on that a little bit and then I'll add to it as well as to what Alabama is doing to start this football season. Well, you know, uh, Eli Gold will be missing the start of the season uh, due to some health issues. And uh, there's no real idea of when he's going to be able to come back. So, you know, it's certainly an unfortunate uh, situation. You think about that incredible game nine years ago, Alabama and Auburn, and uh, the voice of, of, of that game for Auburn, unfortunately passed away in a, in a car accident. Now you Rod have, Bramlett is his uh, name. Correct. Rod, yeah, Rod Bramlett. And uh, you know, now you have Eli Gold's health issues. It's just one of those situations where, you know, we've been pretty fortunate in sports just generally. And I think about the NBA, Bill Russell, the only, only the fifth MVP to die. Now, three of those have come just since this decade started. Kobe Bryant, uh, Moses Malone, or actually, you know, Wes Unselt. Uh, and I mean, Moses Malone did pass, but he passed before this decade. And, you know, uh, now Bill Russell. And you think about how fortunate the NBA has been to have pretty much everybody around. I mean, it's really the same thing in broadcasting. I mean, so many of these broadcasters lived until, and not just live until their 80s and 90s, they work into their 80s and 90s. Uh, you know, there's very few exceptions to that, right? Jim Durham passing at, I think, maybe 62 or something along those lines. Uh, Dave Strader passing away at 61. You know, obviously, Stuart Scott, Craig Sager. Mm -hmm. uh, but certainly on, on the play-by-play -play side, it's just, it's pretty rare. You know, Tom Meese, who died in that uh, in that accident, uh, you know, and, and, and when he was probably in his 40s or early 50s, I'm not sure. And, you know... Uh, it's easy to take for granted just the idea that not only will your favorite play-by-play -play person be alive in their 80s, that they'll be working. But, right. you know, we're, we are all human. And so uh, as such, we are guaranteed nothing, right? Uh, and so, you know, it's just uh, another reminder that, you know, to appreciate all those people who kind of come into your life in any way that they do, even if it's just through the TV or the radio, you just never know. And we hope that Eli does get better. Again, he's been doing the tie game since 1988, has done over 300 Alabama football broadcasts. And a lot of fans in the South know him from the Motor Racing Network and the NASCAR coverage of calling all of their biggest uh, races as well. Uh, Eli has also worked uh, for television networks, including uh, for the, the then the Nashville network, TNN and their Nashville or their NASCAR coverage, if I can get that out, their NASCAR TV coverage. He did that uh, as well. Eli has done a bunch of basketball, formerly a voice of Alabama basketball as well. 
Um, so uh, again, we, we hope that he's better 69 years of age, Chris Stewart, who is full disclosure, a good broadcaster, great broadcaster and a good friend of mine, Chris gets the unenviable task of having to slide in on an interim basis right now for Eli, while this is sorted out for his health reasons. I know this is not, I know from talking to Chris off the year, if he was right here with us, John, he would say this, this is not the circumstance where he wants the job right now where there's uncertainty on Eli's health and they, they all want in Alabama uh, Eli to be better, but Chris will take over uh, for the start of this season, including uh, Alabama's uh, opening couple of games of the year, including their opener with uh, the Texas Longhorns uh, to start the season. So uh, Chris has been a very able basketball play-by-play man. He took over for Eli as the basketball voice in 2002 for 20 years. He's been the Alabama uh, baseball radio voice since 2000 for 22 years. So we wish Chris well. We wish Eli well. And again, that iconic touchdown Alabama that would always resonate on Saturdays, that belongs to Eli Gold. And he has been saying that a ton on, in the Nick Saban era. Here's hoping that he gets back to health and we can have him back in the booth one more time. But we don't know yeah. what the case is uh, on that. But again, longevity. And again, we should mention, yes, all the games are on TV. But if you're in the state of Alabama, he's the soundtrack of Alabama football. On all the highlights or if you're in the car or if you're at Bryant-Denny Stadium listing, you're listening to Eli Gold call the game. So it's a significant deal on that. John, you've got other news as well involving Allison Williams, former yeah. ESPN college football personality, and an announcement this week. You had this up on the site as well. Fill us in more that she is back working college football for this season. Well, Allison Williams is uh, going to be working for Fox. Um, that's according to uh, uh, the reporting that's out there. You know, uh, this was one of those where – in the heat of last year, basically anyone who didn't want to get vaccinated was kind of viewed as like a horrible human being. The fact is, whether you agree with her decision or not, her rationale certainly was, you know, she was trying to have a child. She was concerned about the impact that the vaccine would have, whether she was well-informed, misinformed, whatever, you know, it, I mean, that's not necessarily lose your career stuff. So it's not surprising that she has found another gig, given she was, you know, doing the national championship game the year she left ESPN. It's a pretty good pickup for Fox. They picked up a lot of good folks from ESPN. Jason Benetti, who I believe uh, she might be working with, based so on the, so from what I have read, and I have also learned this as well. Fox may not have announced this yet as we're releasing the podcast. Jason Benetti and Brock Heward will be the number two team on Fox TV's college football. And my understanding is, and that reporting is also out there elsewhere, Allison Williams is going to be the sideline person. And John, you did mention uh, trying to get pregnant at the time that all of the vaccination stuff came up in 2021. She subsequently did get pregnant. Um, and and let's just say this, too. She went through fertility treatment to have the baby. You're, you're now listening to somebody on the podcast that went through this as well with his wife and with the twins. And... There are different circumstances with that, different drug treatments with that. And so you can totally understand where someone is concerned about whether a vaccine is going to affect fertility treatment on top of trying to get pregnant normally, naturally, like you would get pregnant. She has since, my point, had the baby as well, John, prior to the football season. Right. So 
I will just add to what you said. Good for her that she gets another opportunity. However, and wherever it ca- it came, in your yeah. words, she did not deserve to lose her career over that decision, especially, I will add to it, feel free to comment or not. If you're allowing Mel Kuyper unvaccinated to still keep his job yeah. and be able to work yeah. from home on the draft coverage, if you're allowing, for example, because I'm big in the boxing world, you're not as much in the boxing world, Andre Ward, former championship boxer, former U.S. Olympian gold medalist, he is one of the lead analysts on ESPN's boxing coverage. This is well known. He is not vaccinated, so he is not working on site for any of their fights. They're letting him still broadcast from home on live boxing coverage. So my point is they made a couple of exceptions for those people as established and popular and prominent as they are. So this is where, as part of the give and take, she deserves the opportunity to get back in, too, because, uh, again, you're making accommodations for others. That's my feelings. What else do you want to say in closing that out, if anything? Well, you know, I will say, obviously, as a sideline reporter, it's a little bit different. The value right. of a sideline reporter is lost if they're not on the sideline. But, absolutely, you know, it's also the case. I mean, look, uh, look, actual women who work at ESPN may have a different point of view. I'm speaking maybe a bit out of turn, but it sure, it sure seems like ESPN is relentlessly sexist, right? Doesn't it? So, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me that, uh, you know, guys would get a break that women would not based on how I've seen from my position thousands of miles away, outside looking in, not actually talking to anyone who works there, right? But, you know, it, it sure seems on brand that Allison Williams would lose her job and then Mel Kuyper would keep his, right? But. Fair enough, fair enough. And again, there are reasons behind all of this, uh, but good for her that she's back and we look for Fox to make that uh, official announcement. And again, great for Jason Benetti, who I know yes. pretty well. Uh, and he is on the rise. Um, he, he will be much more prominent, obviously, in their college football coverage, uh, because instead of just being one of about seven or eight college football voices on the ESPN platforms, he will be doing a standalone Fox game at some point um, on Saturdays on Fox or on FS1. And we'll do more than that. We'll also be part of their Major League Baseball coverage. John, it's not clear to me whether whether Jason is going to pick right up with the baseball postseason on Fox this year and be part of their coverage. I don't know if that's the case, but he's tremendous on baseball uh, as well, yeah. working the White Sox games with Steve Stone. Any final thought on that? Well, you know, I feel like if you're Benetti, you got to, I don't know, I would have made this move last year or something. I would have found a way to anticipate Joe Buck leaving because look, <laughs> Uh, Joe Davis is really, really good. And I mean, ultimately, we talked before. It's actually kind of interesting because Davis, who is obviously stepping in for Vin Scully, takes on that professionalism, that, you know, that old school aspect. Benetti is a lot more like Iron Eagle. He's very funny. He's very irreverent. And that's mm-hmm. a bit. Can an, can an irreverent guy call the World Series? Remember when Joe Buck took over, he was doing you know, Pat Summerall for basically his first how many ever years, right? So Buck was kind of doing that old school, very tied down thing as well. Can an irreverent guy get to do the fall classic? Because ultimately, if we're being real, Benetti is every bit Joe Davis's equal, but he's also very irreverent. He's very Iron Eagle. You know what Iron Eagle hasn't done? He's not called a Super Bowl or an NBA Finals, even though he's got absolutely the skills for it, right? Jim Nance, who is cut from that old school cloth, right? There's no irreverence in Jim Nance. Jim Nance, everything is reverence. That's right. Him, right? Hello, friends. Yes. You know? <laughs> so, 
you know, it's a, it's a very interesting to me because, you know, Kevin Harlan, also a guy with a lot of irreverence, right? Mm-hmm. He, you know, he's only now getting to that that top level on the NBA, even though he's been really great for years and years and years. I wonder if there's an irreverence penalty, right? If there's, you know, well, but some of it, I mean, uh, you know, Gus Johnson maybe could be in that category. I enjoy him. He's loud. It doesn't work for everybody, but I mean, Gus has had obviously big time assignments, but not to your point, been on the NBA finals or the world series or the super bowl, the most iconic right. of those. And there's, and look, Joe, Joe Buck, uh, and Al Michaels and Jim Nance basically have had a stranglehold on doing all of the super bowls for the last right. 35 or 40 years, right? Those three guys. Yeah. So, and now that's going to get broken up uh, because obviously uh, in Fox's case, Kevin Burkhart will move up and get to do it. Mike Tarico in NBC's case will move up and get to do it. And uh, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman eventually, am I correct, will get to do it soon yeah. for ABC slash ESPN. Yeah. And Jim that's- Nance, obviously, with Tony Romo and CBS. But there are two new people now in the rotation. And, you know, it's fascinating because I was thinking about it. The most irreverent of those guys. So let's talk about all the big four uh, finals people. Mm -hmm. So you've got Mike Breen. You've got historically Joe Buck, now Joe Davis on baseball. You've got Sean McDonough and Kevin and Kenny, Kenny Albert on hockey, previously Mike Emmerich. And for the Super Bowl, you have, uh, as you said, Al Michaels, uh, no longer anymore, but Al Michaels, now Tariko, Buck. Burkhart and Nance. So out of that group, the most irreverent of those is probably at this point, Buck, but Buck is still judged for his Pat Summerall face. People still think he doesn't get excited, even though he's, you know, like Buck is basically the LeBron James of broadcasting where uh, LeBron is still judged for failures. He had more than a decade ago, despite all the success since. And Buck is still judged for all of his early career failures, despite the fact that he's turned it around pretty obviously uh, over the past few years. But Buck's probably the most irreverent and then maybe Al Michaels. But those two are not, you know, they're not jokesters, you know, they're not. And I'm not trying to say that Benetti's a jokester. I mean, he's a great play by play voice, but they're Michaels may have the occasional funny line and mm-hmm. Al's gotten himself into trouble trying to be funny. Remember that flip flop joke in 04 about Carrie and everyone got upset. And uh, the Harvey Weinstein one was far worse than that, actually. Oh, yes. I'm not sure. yeah, I, don't, I don't know why I didn't go with that one. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. These days, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. 
They make all kinds of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more, right here in the USA. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs in towns and cities across the country. And jobs bring pride. Purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20. First, uh, you know, well, but, but I just thought of this, too, when you were saying it. Brent Musburger, at times, yes, irreverent, absolutely. including getting himself in trouble. A.J. McCarron's girlfriend during speaking of yeah. Alabama football earlier in the podcast, the Alabama national title game with Notre Dame. Quick, quick story on that. So that is in the BCS title game that was being played in the Orange Bowl, Alabama, Notre Dame. And such hype and attention because it's Notre Dame, after all, playing Alabama. So I am part of the media covering that one nationally for Fox Sports Radio. I was regionally close to Miami. They sent me there. They paid for me to be there for a couple of nights and cover the game and cover the post game, et cetera. Okay, so two or three things. The first thing is... Uh, electric there, obviously, with all the Alabama fans from the South and the Notre Dame fans, a lot of retirees that are in Florida that got their hands on tickets. It was electric that night. The second thing is the media, the overflow media in the old uh, Marlin Stadium, the old pro player stadium, whatever you want to call it, we were all in one of the end zones in like the upper level suite area of an end zone, not a great seat. The next thing is the Wi-Fi was not working very well. This is now back more than a decade ago. So you had trouble. Okay, we're not able to hear the TV broadcast, and they keep showing A.J. McCarron's family and his girlfriend, Catherine, who later became his wife. And so we don't know. Uh, suddenly the Internet and social media and Twitter, which is fairly new, is going crazy about what Musburger said. We don't know at the stadium what he had said about how good-looking Catherine Webb was. Mm-hmm. To your point of irreverence, I'm there. We we. We at the stadium don't know. You guys that were all watching by the millions at home were at an advantage over us on what is the firestorm about. So just there you go. And a lot of people took that as sexist, et cetera, creepy, that an older broadcaster would do that. But I'm just saying Brent Musburger would bring the he would bring up stuff about the point spread. He would yep. bring up all kinds of different things as yeah. your point of irreverence. Yeah, no, that's an excellent point. Brent's probably the king of this as far as at his level and people didn't like it. I was reading an article doing some research about Vince Scully last night. And, you know, one of the people, it was what, 1970 something, 1980 something. It was an article saying, you know, Brent, it was actually, it was an article praising Gary Bender, who was in that Mm. time beginning his first year doing the NBA for CBS and basically saying, you know, Brent was kind of debasing himself with some of his shtick being going from being a journalist to being basically a promoter of the NBA, uh, kind of talking about some of the stuff he'd do on the NFL today, wearing, uh, I think you like, uh, there's this one picture of Brent wearing a Falcons hat and a fur coat and, you know, along, <laughs> along those lines is criticizing him for, for that. Like a lot of broad, I mean, look, any broadcaster that comes in and brings attention to him or herself, right. Uh, is going to get criticism. Now, sometimes it works out. I like when Kevin Harlan does stuff like calling the black cat on the field or whatever. And mm-hmm. I like Kevin's style. You know, sometimes it doesn't work out. Dick Dick Vital has built yeah. his entire career on being over the top, self-promoting, all the phrases, all the catchphrases, all the enthusiasm. It works for me. It has graded on a lot of people over a lot of years because Dick's been doing it for 40 years. But that's your point on there it's more about him and self-promoting they do get more criticism for sure but i will point out even vince scully got criticism 
Uh, I actually, I was doing that research last night. I came across this article. This former Dodgers player got uh, traded to the Braves or signed with the Braves. He was coming back to Dodger Stadium, and he was like, I can finally say what I feel. Uh, You know, Vin Scully is a, you know, bleep right he, he actually did he he referred to vin scully this is the 1970s so vin has been there for 25 years or something mm-hmm. he refers to vin scully as a complete absolute bleep and says that vin backstabbed him because what was going on was apparently i guess this player felt like vin was critical of his play or subtly critical of his play mm-hmm. while calling the games, which was amazing to me. I didn't know anyone had ever called Vince Scully an expletive for any reason. Wow. I couldn't believe that. This player, I think his name was, let me see. If I, I, I was just going to say, we have no idea who he is. So that says it all in the story that he's critical of, of the statesman, as I mentioned, and we don't know who the player is. It's not a prominent player, but it's just somebody that, yeah. and, by, um, and by the way, there are players everywhere everywhere throughout the course of the last 40 or 50 years that seem to think that the broadcasters making comments about them somehow leads to their demise or leads to them being traded or whatever. You're there to broadcast the game to your point, just in general terms. Did you come up with the player, whoever that is? Yeah, yeah it was uh, Mike Marshall. Uh, Mike ah, Marshall. Who, who I got to know a little bit later on because he retired in the Tampa Bay area. You're talking about the relief pitcher. You're talking yeah. about the guy. Mike Marshall was an interesting guy uh, because he was one of the first closers when that position had really not been defined had come in and get the last few outs of the game in the eighth or the ninth inning. And it used to be the closers, by the way, would pitch the seventh and the eighth and the ninth inning or the eighth and the ninth inning, much less just one batter. But I got to know him. So, yeah, Mike, Mike was no fan of Vin Scully after the fact, huh? No. He, after he being really, traded uh, away. No, he really wasn't. He went on the record and called Vin Scully a complete, absolute mm. bleep. But he was in the minority. And he's a little more prominent than I thought. Uh, because the Dodgers obviously had a lot of success in the 70s when he was there uh, before he was gone. But let me let me reference this just real quick and we'll move on. Chip Carey, grandson of Harry Carey, son of, of Skip Carey, go back to George Offman's podcast, Tell Me a Story I Don't Know. Chip Carey encountered the same kind of thing when he got hired by the Chicago Cubs to come and broadcast the Cubs game. So in Chip's rise, he had been doing the Orlando Magic on TV He had been doing the Seattle Mariners baseball on TV, and he now became the local regional voice of the Cubs in addition to doing national stuff with Fox, et cetera. The team was bad. The Cubs were bad, as as Chip explained the story to George Offman. And it became so bad in the clubhouse that the players went to the PR people wanting to meet with Chip Carey privately in the clubhouse with the door closed. And that's kind of a dangerous thing for a broadcaster to step into that setting on their turf on whatever's going to happen. And as Chip relayed the story, I want people to go back and listen. You can find it in the Sports Media Watch podcast feed, the archives, to tell me a story I don't know what Chip Carey is there from last year. Chip said he stood up for himself and said, guys, I am here to broadcast the game. I am being as fair as I can. And but if if you guys are not hitting well and you not and you're not playing well, I can't sugarcoat that and lie about what's going on. And further, and I love this point, I'm paraphrasing again here. You got bigger things to worry about than me talking about you on TV. And he said it was a very tense situation. And the way that he described it, as I recall, is they didn't really come to an agreement, but he he let them air it out privately in the Cubs clubhouse over what you're talking about. Uh, criticism on the broadcast. So I just thought that was interesting. You jogged me on that because, again, here's the grandson of Harry Carey 
who's having to do that behind closed doors. Interesting on yeah. George's podcast that that actually went on as well. But to criticize Vin Scully, <laughs> come on. Yeah. On that one, Vin, Vin was Dodger. Mr. Rogers. He was Mr. Rogers, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's an interesting thing uh, because Vin did get some criticism more recently. He was talking about the Kaepernick stuff. I mean, anytime you're going to weigh in on one right. an issue like that, you're going to get criticism. But, you know, I mean, for the most part, we're talking about something I mean, like I, I don't think you could possibly find on the Internet. I mean, even among the uh, obnoxious, edgy people who like to try to offend folks, you're not going to find anyone saying, you know, Mr. Rogers is a complete absolute bleep. You're not <laughs> going to find that. This is kind of amazing that anyone ever said that about Vince Scully. That it is. And I could go on for another 10 minutes on some Mike Marshall stories. Uh, because again, he retired in the general Tampa Bay area where I lived. And I believe he recently passed away, like within yeah, the last did. year or two. Uh, but I still remember, I remember, okay, so it was longer ago than that. Lose track of time. My, Mike was one of the first guys that really understood anatomy and physiology with being able to throw the screwball, by the way. He could sit and talk to you for 10 minutes about the dynamics of the screwball. And it was interesting and how he mastered it and how it became like an unhittable pitch. Hmm. And how it then began be, to be taught by him and by others on how to throw the screwball the right way with arm angle, physiology, and whatever. Because, yes, you can mimic trying to throw it, but how do you get it to move the way that you want it to move and right. stay in the strike zone and whatever? He figured that out. And, hmm. and from a, like a master's degree level, we're big into academics, from a grad doctorate level of how to throw the screwball. And I remember sitting and listening to him talk about it on a radio show. And I'm like, this is amazing that even though it's not video and TV, he's describing that the arm angle and the release point and the, the momentum at a certain point will make the ball dip into the strike zone and if you have that timing screwed up you can't throw it for a strike and if you can't throw it for a strike you're not going to be able to use the pitch and get people out on the screwball so that was mike marshall and he again rose to if, if i'm not mistaken didn't mike marshall become the first reliever off the top of my head just real, real quick to win the cy young award i think that's correct i believe he was the first non-starting pitcher to win the cy young award because of all of his saves we'll have to look that up on the fly I believe that's the case in his bio uh, from way back when, but was not a fan of Vin Scully, just to put a bow on that at the end, but he was in the distinct minority uh, on that. Uh, speaking of loving it or leaving it, why don't we move to that real quick? Here we go. Love it or leave it. Topic one, I bring up the Live Golf Series one more time because they just played last week in New Jersey. We have not had a podcast since all of this came up. All right, it had a lot of fanfare. Uh, this is the breakaway players from the PGA Tour playing at uh, Donald Trump's Bedminster Country Club in New Jersey. That was the second United States event. They're going to have two more in Boston and in Chicago later on in September and, uh, and late September, early September, Memorial Day, and then a couple of weeks later. Uh, before, again, they eventually conclude in Miami at Doral with a $65 million purse for the final event in October uh, in Miami, the, the final Live Golf Series event of this year. All right, John, weigh in. You wrote about this on the site. Charles Barkley was obviously in conversations with them. We said on this podcast, we didn't believe, I didn't believe, you didn't believe he would give up everything at Turner and with the NBA to go do golf for the Live Golf Series. What are your thoughts on the follow-up as he's now announced that's not happening? Charles says so many things. I mean, it, you know, it's Charles has built up and appropriately so 
a reputation for being a genuine guy. And I, 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 you know, I mean, I, I am naive enough to believe that that's all true. But if you weren't naive enough to believe that that's all true, you would wonder how much of this was Charles creating leverage for himself and creating uh, a new cycle about himself. Now, again, I'm naive enough to believe that Charles Barkley is a genuine article and that he doesn't do those types of things, you know. But this was a made-up story, basically, kind of feels that way, uh, that got two weeks of attention in a very slow time of year, allowed Charles to talk about his incredible salary and maybe even put the Turner's feet to the fire a little bit. Mm -hmm. You know, the other thing, too, that was very interesting about all this is that Charles has been talking a lot about, oh, I'm going to leave Turner. And the reality of the matter is, he's under contract for three more years. That's right. He's been acting like his contract is up like this year or next year, but he's under contract until the TV deal is over, just like he was the last time. So all this talk about, well, I'm going to retire at 60. Well, I mean, there's no way based on what he just talked about the past two weeks that he's giving up $10 million a year for any reason. I mean, he so do say- you believe this is about renegotiation on the workload? Like we speculated a couple of weeks ago that maybe he doesn't want to be there as much. And certainly during NCAA tournament time. What do you think? I think I think that's possible. You know, I mean, I, I, I think, you know, I don't really know what the angle is. All I know is Charles will often say things that are that he clearly has no intention of doing. I mentioned before running for governor. You talk about that a lot. He's talked about leaving Turner for 10, 11, 12 years. You know, eventually you just got to just, I'm not saying ignore what he says, but, you know, there was a lot of, I never bought that Charles would leave Turner, but there was just so much of, oh my goodness, Charles could leave Turner for the live golf tour. Oh my goodness, Charles is going to retire. I don't know. I mean, he kind of tells tall tales a little bit sometimes in, in that regard. All right. So that that is resolved. David Faraday, by the way, made his debut on the coverage. Uh, the tournament was won by Henrik Stinson, who, again, was going to be the European a team captain for the Ryder Cup. Very famous U.S. against Europe at what's become a real grudge situation every two years in team competition at the end of the golf season. Stinson no longer the European uh, captain because they are disavowing him for going to the live golf tour. He turns around and wins the first event that he's in and wins the $4 million prize uh, for that one. And again, they will continue in Boston and in Chicago uh, progressing along later this summer. Uh, again, I- interesting. They don't have a TV deal, although Greg Norman did say again in New Jersey, they are in talks with networks is the way that he posed that he didn't name anybody. I don't know that they'll have a television deal before this year, but maybe for next year when they've already said they will have 14 events instead of eight, they're trying to get on a TV deal somewhere. They were on YouTube this weekend. I did look on the Sunday final round. It had over 600,000 views for what it's worth. That's not what a typical PGA tour event gets on mainstream TV, but it's also not 23,000 people. It's over 600,000 people that watch the final round for whatever it's worth. John, anything else in closing on that? Yes, always remember with that kind of a number, it's the average minute audience that's most comparable to regular TV. So 600,000, but on an average, you know, what was it, right? Right. You know, I mean, honest to God, they should think about Fox business because, you know, they have kind of set out their, where they stand, right? They're right there with Trump. Once you are right there with Trump, you've lost the other side forever, right? (laughs) Right. That's just the way it is. And you're not going to get, I don't think, a regular 
a regular network. We know Fox Business has carried sports in the past. Well, let me let me demo. submit though. While we're on this subject, Greg Norman worked for one year, the first year of the U.S. Open coverage, and Rupert Murdoch's company and News Corp and Fox dumped him. I don't know that Greg Norman is welcome there or wants to be back there with any of their networks or platforms. Thought on that, John? Well, I mean, Greg, if Greg Norman would rather work with the Saudis than Fox because of personal <laughs> peak, then that would be unbelievable. Yeah. Um, so, you know, look, I, I, I think, I mean, th these are the bad boys of golf, right? Except they're not necessarily cool like Fonzie was, right? But they're, you know, they're ultimately not very well liked. They're very controversial. They're in, they're in bed with the Saudis and Donald Trump. Like right there, that's and the ratings aren't high enough. You talk about money. Hey, ESPN would put Clay Travis on the air if they thought they'd get ratings for it. You know, the fact of the matter is the ratings aren't there. So you don't have the ratings and you're also allied with a lot of these toxic elements that people really don't like. You know, you got to your options are limited. That's why I say you, it, there's no conservative sports network out there. But there is, in terms of Fox Business, a conservative-leaning channel that has carried sports in the past that, since it's golf, attracts the demographic that you primarily want. Interesting. So that would be what I would say. Interesting. Well, I, I did think, too, because he did an interview with Tucker Carlson that ran on Fox, what else, on Tucker Carlson's show on Monday night again, where Greg Norman reiterated right at Jay Monahan and the PGA Tour he, he uh, then said there are 27 corporate sponsors and financial backers of the PGA Tour that do business with Saudi Arabia and Saudi Arabian interest and ownership. And he said, is Jay Monahan going to those CEOs and pointing his finger at them and saying, you've got to disavow Saudi Arabia and stop your dealings with them or you can't be a sponsor on the PGA Tour? And Norman answered his own question and said, of course, he's not doing that because that's their that's their lifeblood. The money is their lifeblood to be able to, to stay alive. So the battle continues. They'll get some more attention uh, coming uh, in Boston and Chicago, but not as much, John. This is the important thing because the football is about to take everything yeah. over, even for the PGA Tour playoffs or anything else. If you're in a niche sport, the football college in the NFL is about to overwhelm all of it at the end of this month and the beginning of September, right? Facts, Absolutely. period. Absolutely. Golf is still golf. Doesn't matter how much money you put into it. People aren't going to watch golf. Uh, in, I mean, we saw that with the U.S. Open two years ago when it was in September. So uh, the, the other good thing about Fox Business as an option is that the LIV's numbers or the Liv's numbers will be pretty good by Fox Business. Standards. So, you know, <laughs> good. it'll work good out one. for them, too. Another good one on that. Uh, OK, let's continue. Love it or leave it. The Little League World Series is coming. Now, I feel passionately about this. Full disclosure real quick, John Lewis, from where I sit in the Tampa Bay area, and again, you're doing this show out of the Midwest for you. I'm in the Tampa Bay area, West Central Florida. There is a Tampa team, a Hillsborough County team that has won the state championship the Little League State Championship for the state of Florida. They have become the 11th team in the Tampa Bay area, Tampa, St. Pete, and Clearwater, to win a state championship. They are now competing this weekend in the Southeast Regional of the of the Little League World Series. There's, there's six regionals and two at-larges in Texas and California. Uh, they have two each in those, two different regions. All right, those eight regions advance to the Little League World Series for the U.S. Championship and then against the world teams. So the Tampa team has a young man on it 
whose mother is a teacher, follow the bouncing ball, where my kids went to school and she taught my kids in the third grade. My wife also teaches at the school and these parents, as you can imagine, this is all over the country for the kids that have won the state championships. The parents are sky high. The kids are sky high. They're going to the regional tournaments. So the regional tournament in the South is in Warner Robins, Georgia, the beautiful people of Warner Robins, Georgia, North of Macon, South of Atlanta. That's where the Florida team, the Georgia team, the South Carolina team, the North Carolina team, I'm going to, I'm going to hopefully get all of it right. The Tennessee team, the Kentucky team and the Alabama team are all advancing as the eight teams, if I counted to eight there, that are playing in Warner Roberts, Georgia. All right, so I laid all that out. Good luck to the Tampa team in the Southeast Regional. Keystone Little League, free plug on the on the Sports Media Watch uh, podcast. They even had, John, you're going to love this. They even had a media availability day to come really? to the Little League field. Yes, wow. for the Tampa Bay media to come say hello to the coach and the players and wish them well. And several stations and the newspaper came and did that real quick. Took a picture of them, put them on TV. So they're headed to that tournament. Who knows if they can get there? My question to you, love it or leave it, do you watch any of this? Will you care? Will you gravitate to any of this as ESPN puts it on nonstop on ESPN Plus and their platforms over the next few weeks? What about you? Well, uh, yeah, I don't watch. I haven't watched the Little League World Series since ABC was carrying the finals in prime time with Brent Musburger calling it back uh, 20 years ago. So, you know, uh, it's just not for me. Uh, and back then I was at least around the age of the competitors. But, you know, now it's, um, you know, now it's, uh, you know, I don't know. I'm not I, I never had any interest. I mean, we talked about this last year, actually. We kind of circled back around now to okay. topics we talked about when we first started the podcast. Uh, and Little League, you know, to me, uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm doing a, a schedule for it this year, so I'm keeping more track of it than I normally would. I know the teams and the regionals, and, you know, there's certainly interest. Um, that is for sure. Uh, but And ESPN needs to fill up the hours yeah, and, sure the, and the slots, and that's why they're behind it. And I've been on the record for 20 plus years that it's exploitation. It's way too much. I, I was on the record on the front end. You're going to lead to corruption and cheating and fraud. Yeah. And that led us to Danny Almonte. And that led us to what the Philippines team that had the 15 and 16 year olds impersonating 11 and 12 year olds. That When you get the adults involved, you're going to lead to fraud and corruption when you've got the television and the money and all the other stuff that's, that's floating around. Yeah. But I, I just thought I would ask on that i did not remember that we covered this a year ago and where you stood on it yeah. you're still standing on the same thing which is not for you Maybe. yeah you know i mean i was never there's you know, danny almati wasn't interested uh, Moni davis wasn't interested uh you know i mean like there's just never been a time when i've been like oh my goodness i gotta go check out this little league game i mean that's just never happened for me uh, okay, one more. Love it or leave it. Baseball trading deadline has come and gone, and, and really with all the sports now, Major League Baseball, NBA, NFL, National Hockey League, the trading deadlines are much more active now than what they used to be. John, did this make you more interested in the stretch run of the baseball season, the trades that the Padres and the Yankees and the Dodgers and others were making uh, or not making? Did this make you more love it or leave it? The trade deadline and all the moves make you more of a fan down the stretch? No, not really. You know, I mean, I'm 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 there in October. You know what I mean? That's when I started really paying attention. Maybe a few weeks before. You know, in 03, I uh, hadn't marched all year, and then in August, I decided, you know, it'd be fun if the Marlins won. So I rode that bandwagon all the way through October, and it was a lot of fun. You know, but for me, uh, you know, I mean, realistically. 
I know the Padres have all this great young talent, but all I can think is, well, they're the Padres, so I know they're not going to win. Right? So, well, I kept saying the same thing about the Bengals and Joe Burrow. When people yeah. in Cincinnati and everybody kept saying Joe Burrow this, Joe Burrow, I kept saying it's the Bengals. You're going to come back to the fact it's the Bengals. And they got all the way to the Super Bowl, by the yeah. way, and got all the way to the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl with a chance to win it. So I guess for the Padres, you can. Yeah, they didn't win, though. They, they didn't, didn't but they got all the way there. But if you're the Padres, yeah. you can hope that this does enough to battle the Dodgers and uh, the Astros and everybody else in the National League. But uh, baseball is just not the same like the other sports. You can have two generational players like Mike Trout and Shohei Otani and not be relevant at all in any capacity. So, you know, uh, the teams matter more than the individual players in baseball. And as a result, it's just hard to care that much about the individual player movement. Uh, as a side on the love it or leave it, Derek Jeter documentary. I I have not partaken yet. Have you seen it? Love it or leave it? Have you gotten into the beginnings of it? It's on ESPN Plus, and I think they may have been airing it on ESPN as well. It's a four, I think a four, if not a six part documentary. Have you gotten into it yet? Love it or leave it on the captain. Um, I, I, I got to catch up on all my mystery science theater episodes first. So, you know, <laughs> let me, let me watch, uh, you know, Samson versus the vampire women. And then I'll, I'll tune I in. Love, the I, I love mystery science theater references from you from going back in the nineties. So that's a leave it on the captain documentary yeah, I mean, for right look, now. I mean, the Yankee fans love this thing right now by well, the millions. Yeah. Of course Yankee they fans do. love the Yankees too. Not <laughs> a lot of people uh, exactly. feel that same way. Look, the fact of the matter is Jeter is not a compelling character never has been right you know he's a great player but he's not a compelling character um you know and uh I, maybe an a-rod documentary would be interesting to me a-rod is a compelling character Jeter isn't his story at least i mean i've not seen the documentary maybe there's way more to Jeter than than meets the eye but his story doesn't sound well, there's a couple of things in the in the background he's never been in trouble so we'll say that so that's unusual uh, in the in the rise. Uh, obviously, he comes from a mixed race family. This is well known. So there's a there's a background of racism and that that's in the story. He now comes to the number one media market as the darling number one pick. And unlike several before him that couldn't get it done, they get back to winning the World Series yep. and winning it a bunch. And that's the hook or the supposed hook. I can just tell right now you're not right. hooked. Not as of yet. Not, not as yet. much as Right, Joel and the robots. Isn't it Joel from Mystery Science Theater and the robots? Well, it was Joel at first, and then Joel <laughs> left, uh, and uh, Mike Nelson, the lead writer, came in and became the new host. And there was a lot of acrimony. A lot of people were very upset that Mike replaced Joel. And it was one of the internet's first earliest flame wars, people who were Mike people versus people who were Joel people. And, you Mystery know, it's still science kind of, theater. I love it. Yeah, it still kind of exists today because Mike is doing riff tracks with Bill Corbett and Kevin Murphy and Mary Jo Peel and Bridget Nelson. And Joel is doing the reboot of Mystery Science Theater with uh, a whole bunch of random new people, including Pat Oswalt. I can't do the new MST3K. I, I'm actually I'm a Mike guy because Mike was hosting when I first started watching the show. The fact again, share this to the audience and pull the curtain back. The fact that John is rattling all that off off the top of his head without looking at anything scares me. I'm respectful of that, but it scares me at the same time that you know all those names and rattle that off. I mean, I'm watching. Uh, I am genuinely the only thing I'm watching is MSC3K and Rift Tracks at this point. That's it. I mean, I, you know, the you're other out, day you're out on baseball in the dog days of summer. We're not yeah. yet to football. No. Uh, but I get the, that. The other day was the first time. So Sports Center, you don't need to watch anymore. Mm -hmm. You can keep up. The only time I ever watch Sports Center is for an event like 
Bill Russell's death. So mm-hmm. I actually tuned into Sports Center Sunday for the first time in literally more than a year. Wow. I, I don't think I yeah, I don't think I'd watch Sports Center since um, you know, yeah, I mean, God, I don't even know when. I mean, if you if you take out the because I haven't even really watched the Scott Van Pelt ones. So if you take out the Scott Van Pelt ones, I'm not sure I've watched Sports Center since 2020, maybe. I mean, it's been a while. Um, and so, you know, you tune in for what they still do better than anybody because highlights are no longer a thing, right? Mm-hmm. What they still do better than anybody is when when a historic figure passes. So the best sports center that they ever did was uh, the Muhammad Ali, right? You remember that night? Right. It was like four in the morning. And it was, in my view, and maybe other people will agree, the best sports center of all time because Ali... You know, it wasn't as sad because because Ali had been basically silent for years. People had already in the public eye kind of mourned him. So it was more like a celebration of Ali bringing back all of those things that he was in his prime. And it went, you know, it was basically, you know, ESPN classic for four hours. It was really amazing. And Ali had been ill for a bit. So people knew that was coming and they had time to maybe get people booked and things like that. Uh, and so that to me was sports center at its best. Uh, the Russell show. Well, was not- let me submit, yeah. but let me submit this. I get what you're saying. And they did the same thing with the Vin Scully tributes, obviously on Tuesday night and covering that in the historical perspective, I'm older than you. So I still remember in the late eighties and the nineties, this was the news program of record. So whenever there was breaking news, whenever, uh, the San Francisco earthquake happened in the world series in 89, you were glued to sports center for the coverage uh you know the oj simpson trial sports center was the program of record giving you the recap in addition to it being on in other places but from a sports angle um that i mean that's how roger cossack if you remember that yeah. name roger cossack rose to prominence because he was the legal analyst on sports center every night deciphering the testimony the lawyers performances what's the evidence say he got a second career as a tv analyst because of of sports center, but whether it's covering a player's death or the biggest events, yeah. you know, the baseball strike, whatever, they were the news program of record for so long. And it's now kind of evolved and, and lost its way devolved, if you will, and lost its way on being other things yeah. other than that, other than the news part. Like you can't, we could do another 30 minutes if we wanted to on, you can't make up your mind. Are you a news program or are you a promotional piece or are yeah. you an interview program or, or what is it? Uh, with that, but you're right on the on the Bill Russell coverage, tremendous. Uh, the Vince Scully coverage, tremendous. So and yes, it, it, it wasn't at the level of the Ali, which again, right. I, I think everybody involved. I mean, and plus, you know, back in the day, and this is no uh, no slight to John Anderson and Kevin Connors and uh, Max McGee and Stephen Mahenny who were anchoring on Sunday night, but you know, back then they did have you know Bob Lee there, Lee. Right. I mean, whatever you might think of Bob Lee, this is like he right. is the soul of ESPN in so many ways. Especially the news, there. especially yeah. the important stories. And yeah. And by the way, for all the self-promoting and the irreverence of Chris Berman, he could become serious and, and switch yeah. it on and do the news the same way. Dan Patrick in the late yeah. 80s and the early 90s and eventually Patrick and Olbermann uh, doing the news. And, I, you know, I still remember... Keith Olbermann sitting there all throughout 1994 
in the summer of 1994 when the O.J. Simpson controversy was at its height of that week of did he potentially murder his wife and her friend, his ex-wife and her friend, and the look on Oberman's face every night told you all that you needed to know with him doing the newscast. And it wasn't him trying to sell it or be over the top like a professional wrestling promo. It just conveyed, it conveyed to me, the viewer of the importance and the seriousness of this story that usually they're so glib with the highlights, but now we're dealing with real life and death here with a, with a sports hero like OJ and everybody was glued to sports center Mm -hmm. for all of the coverage, different time, totally different time back then for sure. All right. Uh, anything else before we are gone and before we are done uh, um, here on another edition? We could do more mystery science theater talk, of course. I mean, you know, I could do a whole <laughs> podcast about, you know, who's the better crow, Trace Bowie or Bill Corbett. And I mean, honestly, I've got opinions on that. It's a tough one. I, I so think- I need to be your agent and put the feelers out there if there's a if there's an MSST uh, a pod that, that needs the guest that John Lewis yeah. is the man, not just sports media watch, but John Lewis is the man on that. Again, I was into that show as well. I turned, so that was my probably sophomore and junior year of college at then Memphis state. What's now the university of Memphis. They changed the name of my school and made my diploma collector's item. And I turned so many people onto that show, John, yeah. that had no idea on comedy central or the comedy channel that that was on. I think it was, was it comedy central first or the comedy channel first? I can't remember well, which this, it was. First. It was the comedy channel first. And I mean, yes. it's all the same, but it was comedy and then became comedy central. So I remember on the comedy channel, turning people on to mystery science. These are like, what? And I'm like, you've got to watch, you've got to watch because the quick quips and the, and the destruction of the bad black and white B movie science fiction movies is tremendous uh, on this show. So we are alike in that way. Anything else as we're back in the saddle here in August, still hot everywhere, all over the country, but we've got more news. We've got more things coming. Anything else before we're done, John? Uh, I think we're good. I will say uh, I do have some uh, debate as to who the better crow is, but the better servo is obvious. Kevin Murphy is the better servo. Sorry to Jay Elvis Weinstein, but it is Kevin Murphy. It's by a mile. You need to tag these guys on the site and on the social media posts and and see if any of them realize how much you're talking them up. And then we'll try to get you hooked. I'd like to have them as a guest. Because, you know, I've spent so much money on riff tracks. I've probably given them second homes. Uh, the most recent riff tracks I bought, they had like 50 sports references in it. There's this ridiculous movie where the rifleman, Chuck Connors, yes. was wearing different baseball hats throughout the movie. He was wearing an Orioles hat, then a Cardinals hat, a Cubs hat. It was the most ridiculous nonsense. And it was, a, it was it, by far the most sports references I've ever heard in one of their riffs. So I don't know. They were trying to get to the bottom of it. I understand. All good on uh, this. John, thank you as always for the takes and for the time. And we encourage everybody to read the site for more on Ben Scully, uh, for more on the news, the ratings and everything that's going on. It's all going to crank back up with football coming. John, thanks as always. Hey, thank you. There is John Lewis. I am TJ Reeves. Again, follow or subscribe to this podcast feed on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Again, tell me a story I don't know with George Offen features Wayne Larravee, the voice of the Green Bay Packers right now. And Mike and Phil are back with a new episode of the Announcer Schedules podcast later in the week as we release. We're back in the groove to an extent here on Sports Media Watch. And we're good for now on the SportsMediaWatch.com podcast.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This country was built on a distinctly American work ethic. But today, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and diminished our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make a variety of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more. All made right here in the USA, from growing the cotton to adding the final touches. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs for seamsters, cutters, and factory workers in towns and cities across the United States. And it's about more than an income. Jobs bring pride, purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20.